entertainment is a service. Like, to be able to go on stage and do something that brings joy to someone else's life, like, it might not give them, it's not the kind of thing that makes them live, but it's the kind of thing that gives people life. My name is Ryan Logan, and I'm super excited to bring you this episode today because we're doing something new on the show. Up until now, I've only done film analysis, but now we're going to get into another really important piece of the channel other than analysis. One of the things we're committed to doing here is encouraging artists um, out in the world who are committed to seeking Christ's kingdom first and honoring Christ in all that we do and for my first guest, I decided to bring on my very dear friend, Christian Sanko. Christian is just a super, super talented actor, a passionate pursuer of Christ. He um, has been involved in artistic pursuits all his life. He is an actor coming off se several um, acting roles at Malone. And he has just um, recently um, been casted in the Ohio Shakespeare Festival. So I am super excited to introduce to you all my friend, Christian Sanko. Well, I try. <laughs> and th thank you for uh, agreeing to come on the show. Thanks for having me. So I hope you don't mind, but um, before um, we begin the interview, if um, we, we could just bow and go to the Lord in a time of prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you for your presence with us today at this moment. Um, here at Christian and I's interview and around the world at any given time as um, people are, are listening to this podcast, Lord, I pray that you would encounter them through uh, through Christians' insights on theater. I pray that uh, they would uh, be honoring to you and that they would uh, help us to uh, see you in a new way, Lord. And that, uh, most of all, that your name would be glorified and your will would be done by, by all that is said here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so, here at Kingdom Culture Engagement, we believe that any experience um, that we engage in, creatively, artistically, that that is an avenue for us to experience Christ and come into a closer relationship with Him. Um, so, t tell us, Christian, what are, what are some of your your passions as as a 
as a creator, as as someone who who uh, loves engaging Christ through art. Yeah. So uh, as uh, I started doing dance when I was five, uh, tap dance really, and one of the things that I saw was the joy that it gave people, and um, it was just it, it was something that lit up my eyes every time I saw someone tap dancing. Uh, I think I started seeing it was Gene Kelly in Anchors Away. Yeah. He was dancing with Jerry Mouse. Yes. I was thrilled to see that, and I think um, one of the things that like a lot of traditional Christians kind of forget is that entertainment is a service. You know what I mean? Like to be able to go on stage and do something that brings joy to someone else's life. Like it might not give them, it's not the kind of thing that makes them live, but it's the kind of thing that gives people life. You know what I mean? I like that. It's, it's joy and it's, I mean, stories are so important to tell too. So I think probably when I was 15, I got into like rehearsed theater instead of, like I started doing improv because again, it, it was something that I really enjoyed and it brought joy to others. It made a lot of people laugh. Um, just our improv class was, it was hilarious. It was. Um, but then I did like rehearsed theater because stories like that, that we can tell to you know crowds of people, it, in a way, like telling a story like that not only gets an actor closer to the characters that they're portraying, but it also tells a story with a value and a meaning to the audience. Like I, I have not in my time of seeing shows and performing, I can't remember a show that hasn't had something to take away from it. You know what I mean? Like you could do, you've done faith in film, but you could do faith in theater just as well. Yes. It's a lot harder to get that media out to people to say like, here's this show, let's watch it together. But every, every story that we tell has a message. Yes. And as an actor, I'm not only growing closer to the story myself and to the, the characters within it, um, but there's a great deal of service giving that kind of a story to someone else. Yes. And that's, that's what I've seen in, in my past years. And you, you, br you bring up a fantastic point, just the sheer time commitment involved <laughs> in something like this. Yep. Um, I, I, I'm on average, uh, how long do you spend with the show? From, from auditions to final strike, mm -hmm. uh, how, long, how long on average is, is that? I would say if you're it depends upon the size of your role, right? Yeah. So if I'm an ensemble character in this in a show, which I am, um, in a play, that's only going to be you know five or six lines, maybe some you know secondary work like showing up on stage to fill up the stage and um, sort of make a scene with somebody else. But if you're a, like a main character in a musical, you're going to be there, you know, twenty hours a week at least. Probably. Dance rehearsals, yeah, vocal rehearsals, acting rehearsals, everything. Yeah. So it, it can depend, but I mean. I, I don't think I've been in a show where I put in less than probably 80 hours at least. I mean, there's a there's a rule of thumb in theater where for every minute on stage you rehearse for an hour. So think about how long you know Shakespeare's Hamlet is going to be three and a half to four hours. That's I mean that's the number of work hours that are being put in. Some yeah. companies can put it up faster, others you know might need more time, but that's that's the rule of thumb. So spending spending time with this story for so long. It's a it's another unique thing because literally build it mm -hmm. uh, from from the ground up. And you have you have a script, you have the author's creative vision, but you mm -hmm. kind of you kind of have somewhat of uh, a creative a creative role in, in in making this come about. So would you would you talk a little bit about that? Like yeah. building a character, building the world. 
Yeah, so at Malone, uh, Malone Theater gets to do this a lot because we do a lot of original work. And um, like a lot of stuff that students just write and say, hey, I want to put this on stage. We find room to put it up. Um, shorts festivals, one-off shows that the students entirely run, or, you know, like last semester with Mess of Flowers, an entire original musical written book by Ellie Zumba and music by Steve Parson, the local composer. Um, building your own character. Every show gives you the opportunity to do something different, right? Yeah. Because you're a different company, maybe. I mean, every show is going to have some different element. Even if you do the same show with the same people, the time and the audience will change. So something can be different. Um, with like the original musical, Mess of Flowers, I could, not only could I look at other people, how they were playing character and say, you know, I would play this differently. But I could also look at my character and say, there's more stuff that I could do uh, and, and more more story that I can put in. Um, there's an idea that like you write a backstory and then everything from your backstory needs to come on stage, right? So like your choices should be influenced by what came before rather than just kind of happening out of the blue. So you're writing, this is something, this is something that the actor writes to add to mm -hmm. their experience of building this. Yeah, sometimes literally by like, writing it down by pen or just typing it. Sometimes people just think of it in their head and take a long time to like, I don't want to say meditate, but like focus on what this character in the script is doing and thinking, where could this come from? You know? So can you talk about a specific experience where, where you went through this, a specific, specific character? Yeah. Uh, in, in Mess of Flowers to just because it was this like most recent show. Yeah, I've it's done, fresh. It's fresh. Um, I played Finley Harlow who was a, a poor uh, son of a moonshiner who was trying to swear off moonshining uh, just because it gave his family a bad name in the town. And uh, one of the things that you learn later in the story is that my love interest, Eva, Eva Perry, I had to remember her last name, uh, Eva's father was the person that my father was trying to work with, and they were trying to build an actual like distillery. Um, but Finley's father was slighted. He gave the money to Eva's father, and Eva's father uh, was sort of blackmailed out of, you know, uh, actually going through with the project. So it wasn't entirely his fault. Um, but I let that, that history, that shared history that me and Eva had sort of between our fathers, I let that play into a monologue where I told her about it sort of like almost removed as if we didn't know each other or know all that history. But I said, like, you know, <laughs> we're hated by this town. And, uh, you know, my family is seen as the family that single-handedly destroyed Aster. I let all that emotion of thinking about our relationship and our family, that the way that that influences us, I just let all of that play into this monologue. And it worked out really well. It's, it's fantastic. You know, one of, the things, one of the things I love about theater and for these uh, almost uh, – Four years, I, I, seven semesters. Mm -hmm. I was the, I was the post-play discussion leader for, for Malone Theater, mm -hmm. and I, I loved, I loved doing that because one of the things I discovered was that theater is the ultimate, the ultimate uh, empathetic experience. You, you know, as Christians, we are called to rejoice with those who rejoice, and mourn with those who mourn. Mm -hmm. And what more authentic way to do that than to take on a character? Take on somebody else's pain that you may know nothing about. Like, 
your your family were moonshiners, were they? No, my actual family isn't, but in the in the show, yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 taking on it's taking on this life. It's mm-hmm. taking on these struggles that you may not necessarily have. Yeah. And you know, it it images it images Christ in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, because Christ incarnated himself into into our human bodies, you know, where it became flesh and dwelt among us. You know, he experienced the the pain that that we go through and he was acting it and feeling it. He was play, playing our role too. Not that not not to say that not to say that he was acting and didn't truly feel those things because he truly did. Mm-hmm. He truly was fully fully man and fully God. But he got to experience uh, life from a completely different perspective. The the specific time in history that he chose to come down to Earth, he got to experience life from a completely different vantage point than he ever did before. And that that's wouldn't you say that that's very similar to to the work of an actor? I would. Yeah. Um. One of the things that I've heard a lot about. Uh, I go down to the uh, the Festival of New American Plays at uh, Louisville, Louisville, yeah, Louisville, Kentucky, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and we see, you know, very cutting edge theater, like very uh, kind of pushing the envelope in a lot of ways, and very emotionally charged theater. And one of the things that they talk about a lot, because it it puts a lot of tax on the actor to put on that story, um, both physically and emotionally, sometimes they have to do certain things or they have certain warm-ups and cool-downs. Like, before they go into a rehearsal, there was, there was one guy who had two rocks. He had one rock for when he was becoming the character and one rock for when he was becoming himself again. And he would touch that rock and think about what he was going to do when he was going into rehearsal or into a show. And, like, that's the kind of... That's just, like, one of the people's exercises. Like, they had a bunch of different things that they did. Um, one person, I remember, said that they... Like, they were a mother of a, a kid, and in the show, they were not. So when they were leaving, you know, when they were done with rehearsal or whatever, they were leaving the character, quote-unquote, they would, like, write a letter to their kid or, like, write a note about their child just to remind them of, this is who I am, and then go on with their life. Wow. So, yeah, like, taking on a role like that, it, it does have an, a really strong emotional experience. Even if, even if Christ wasn't fully, literally a person, just acting in experience as another person, playing a role in a drama, it has a lot of weight to it. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize how much actors, like, in a really serious show can go through. Yes. You know, but doesn't it, doesn't it just add more, add more to that? It does. Because in, in, in the early days of the church, you know, they had, they had all these, they had all these councils, you know, the council of medicine mm-hmm. and so forth. And all of all these heresies came out, you know, yeah. you know, do, docetism, God wasn't, God wasn't really human. It was just, it was just the, the essence of human. Mm-hmm. But doesn't it, doesn't it add, add more weight to know, to know that he wasn't, he wasn't acting, that he, he took, he took those stripes. Oh yeah. And like, you know, I, I've, I've heard you, uh, I've heard you talk about uh, what you might potentially do for your senior thesis and I was I was wondering if you'd you break the news publicly here. Yeah, so um 
I, I've shared it with some other people who I think would be interested, but uh, I hadn't talked about it a whole lot yet. But um, I was in Bible 100 with Dr. Gary College, who's an absolutely fantastic adjunct professor here at Malone. And uh, he, he just dropped this as like a sort of a passing note in class, but he said the Gospel of Mark might have been written as a script for drama performance. And uh, I had to drop everything and like say, wait, back that up. And uh, sure enough, I looked into it and there's, there is a lot of evidence to say that the way it was written is very similar to a script that you would have seen performed in you know, the first century BC. So my, my thesis, uh, it's an artistic performance thesis, is going to be uh, staging the Gospel of Mark as accurate as it could be to history using English translation, obviously, because it has to, like, yeah. theater has to play to its audience. Um, but every, every staged version of the gospel you see, like Godspell and Jesus Christ Superstar, like, it, it adds it, it dramatizes it. But the thing is, the gospel is already really dramatic. Like, if you performed it true to, like, the way that a person would react if they had been caught by guards, Jesus had a different reaction for sure, but, like, the, the disciples weren't emotionless. Jesus wasn't emotionless. I think one of the most accurate shows I've seen depicting the gospel was um, out in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. They have Sight and Sound, Sight and Sound Theaters, yes. and they did a wonderful, amazing, incredible performance of Jesus. Um, but it was still a musical, and it still had a lot of it, it had a lot of additions to make it more theatric. But I want to see it be as theatric as it was meant to be, as it was originally intended. So. You're talking about adding choruses, mm -hmm. and essentially making it, if it was a spoken word piece originally, you're talking about taking it back to, to that, that original meaning. Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at it, there's research out there, and I wish I could remember the author's names, but um, author, um, certain researchers have compared the Greek chorus and what the Gospel of Mark refers to as the crowds. You'll see, like, in Mark, a lot of times, it says the crowd followed Jesus, or, you know, a man from the crowd said this, or something like that. All of those instances are very close correlations and very close relationally to a Greek chorus. So it's, it's almost not a stretch. It's not even adding. It's just depicting it the way it would have been and the way it was written. That, that's really the incredible thing to me is, like, a lot of people think if you're going to stage the gospel, you have to add something to it, but you don't. That's fantastic, man. Thank you for sharing your vision. Yeah. Um, and rest assured, we will be there to, to, co to cover it and to encourage you any, any way we can. Thanks. It should be next fall, I hope. I hope. We'll see. Because I don't know if you know, but this is what this is, what this is all about. Artist encouragement. And, and those of you who are, who are listening out there who are artists and who are creatives and feel like you're sort of you're sort of on the ropes ready to ready to throw in the towel I would I would just encourage you to, to reach out to us because we're here for you we're here to encourage you and, and back you um, get together in community with you it's, nobody can do this alone that's true yeah art is art is something that dies in a vacuum it does it does and the second the second you you lose that enthusiasm for, for sharing, like like your your fl your flame sort of goes out. So that's kind of kind of the inspiration for for what we're doing. And 
you know, watching you come in, come into to to Malone's theater, Christian, I I I don't I don't inflate you when I say that it, it was it's like a bombshell coming coming into Malone's theater. You just bring you just bring such a such an energy and such such an enthusiasm for the work, and I I've I've enjoyed I've enjoyed doing doing improv with you. I've en- I've enjoyed I've enjoyed watching you work on the on the major performances, stage combat. Like it's it's been it's been incredible to watch you work. I'm excited for for your for your new for your new stuff. Um, what do you have? What do you have? What do you have going on? Yeah. So, uh, well, this summer, uh, I had a couple options. Um, I have a couple friends who have gone down to Trumpet in the Land, um, and I was looking to audition with them, but I just didn't. I wasn't prepared by that time. Um, but another audition came up that a professor actually told me about here, uh, Randy Paolo, who ran our Shakespeare class last yes. year, and she pointed me towards the Ohio Shakespeare Festival, and uh, I had not had any experience with Shakespeare until last semester. Like, I had never read it. I had never seen it. I, I just had no experience with it. And uh, I auditioned for the Ohio Shakespeare Festival's summer productions, and they accepted me for Ensemble and The Green Show. So I'm, uh, we're currently in third or fourth week of rehearsal for Hamlet, and we're about to go into tech. It is, it is so exciting. It is. Um, you give us, um, for those of us who, who, aren't, who aren't familiar with Shakespeare or, or the story of Hamlet, or even The Green Show, can you give <laughs> us a little... Um, Sneak peek of what we might might expect. Yeah. What it is, what we might get ourselves into. So uh, one of the things that I think a lot of people fear when they hear Shakespeare is that they're not going to understand it. Like we we have entire books of you know no fear Shakespeare. Yes. But one of the things that when you actually go to see a show live or you actually start like even watching some of the Shakespearean movies like um, uh, what was his name? Olivia. Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, Kenneth. Olivier. Um, yeah. Lawrence Olivier. Kenneth Branagh. When you start watching Hamlet or uh, a Shakespearean media, you start to like as you listen to it, your ear starts tuning into yeah. it, and you start picking up the actual language very easily. Uh, so even though he was a you know 16th century writer, it's very possible for someone in the 21st century to yeah. to start watching Shakespeare. So so we definitely shouldn't fear coming 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 to the show if we were if we weren't stellar English. Absolutely, uh, coming to see a show like watching a Shakespearean show will never compare to reading it. Like, but I should reverse that. Reading Shakespeare will never, uh, never compare to actually watching it. The the Ohio Shakespeare Festival's motto, sort of, is "Don't read Shakespeare." That's interesting because it's written for performance. Yeah. So it's much easier to understand when you see it. You get the the vocal tonation. Um, you hear the diction and the emotion behind their speech. So it's it's actually very helpful. That's that's one of the things, you know, going through. Our class, mm-hmm. you know, we we must have spent four or five weeks uh, just on Hamlet. Yep, that was one small um, part part of our class. But I I personally thought it was it was five weeks well spent, and we mm-hmm. we uh, we looked at we looked at various different interpretations of the character, different different things that um, might have might have fed into the motivations of of different characters and. Contemporary issues actually kind of feeding back into into the text, like mm-hmm. issues of issues of 
feminism, clinical depression. So how how would how would you describe um, your show's interpretation? Is it is it a a faith, faithful um, interpretation to the 15th century Shakespeare, or is it a um, does it sort of sort of update it? So uh, this is actually really funny because the Ohio Shakespeare Festival has a green show before every summer performance. So it's it's a 30 minute music dance song you know revelry kind of thing. Uh, but one of their sort of, I don't want to say monikers, but like one of the things that you'll see at their performances is a parody piece. And uh, this year's parody piece is, it's, it's um, paradising the middle with uh, Zed, I think is the artist. Um, you know, I'm trying to remember how it goes. I can only think of the, the parody lyrics at this point. But anyways, uh, our, our parody piece is basically entirely saying one of the popular things in Shakespearean drama is to like put a concept to it. So like take Shakespeare and put it in a sci-fi world, you know? Yeah. But our entire song is why can't we just do the play as stated, you know? Uh, so it's funny because the Ohio Shakespeare Festival's whole thing is like do Shakespeare as Shakespeare would have done it. Original practice Shakespeare, do it the way he would have. So we do it very traditionally. Um, but the one thing that's special is this year, uh, the theme is, I think it's called Lady Disdain is kind of the theme of the, the theater. Um, one, of, one of the things that happened was that people would cast men as women because women couldn't be on stage. Yes. Um, we talked a lot about that in class. And sort of in counter to that, the Ohio Shakespeare Festival has now cast women as men. How fantastic is that? It, it is really interesting. It, it adds a lot of, if you want to think of it in meta theater, like it makes the lines kind of flip. Where, you know, a female Hamlet is telling a still female Ophelia, go get thee to a nunnery. Oh my um, goodness. But it, it's, still, it's still as if Hamlet is a man in the show itself. But if you want to be, you know, sort of academic about it and think about it from a bird's eye view, like, it's, uh, it, it adds a lot of interesting connotation to things. If you want to think about it that way. Yes. The, the actual show is Hamlet is a man. It's just cast. As a woman. Yeah. I mean, and some people might balk at that and say that's, you know, terrible. We have men that can play that role. But, I mean, back in the day, they had women that could play those roles, yeah. too. It was just a social, cultural kind of thing that we were against. So, so um, yeah. just making that statement, you know, mm -hmm. turn, turning, it, turning it on its head just because, just because you can. Yeah. And just because they did for years and years, why not flip it? Mm -hmm. I think that whole, that whole idea is, is just brilliant. And I think, too, like, men played women roles, right? So it would be a, a male Hamlet and a male Ophelia yes. sitting there watching the play within the play. I think it's funny, too, to, like, it, it has a kind of humor to it to cast a man as that role and have them play against each other yes. as two guys. Um, it just has a, a subversion of expectations. Um, this does that. In opposite. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think it's... It's also it's also empowering, you know. Yes. But I just think it's a, a great reversal of you know original practices or the way things would have gone. So it's very unique, that's for sure. And I can tell you, I'm I'm excited I'm excited to go see it. Mm -hmm. Could you uh, give us one final refresher on on the dates and locations for that show? Yes, it is uh, Stand You at Hall and Gardens. So it's going to be uh, Shakespeare Under the Stars. And if I am not mistaken, performances are June 28th through July 14th. So those are those are coming out quickly. They are. 
you'll be heading into uh, Tech Week this, this next week. Yes, I believe Sunday is our first Tech Day. Well, Godspeed to you, sir. Thank you. I I uh, I can remember what those times were like. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes they're not the most fun. Oh, it's a little hectic, but uh, this I mean this company has just been fantastic. It's it's a great environment. Uh, the culture is great. They have a, a great humor about them, so I'm sure we'll make it. And can we can we buy tickets online, or is there a, is there a number? Yeah, uh, Ohio Shakespeare Festival has a box office online that you can buy tickets from, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And there is a phone number you can call with any questions. I will, I will post, I will post that information below below this podcast because I don't, I don't have it uh, privy to me right now, but I will, I will post those links below. Thanks, that helps a lot. Yeah, we hope to, we hope to see you all there. It's, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a great time. And don't miss the green show. It's 30 minutes before the actual performance, so it's usually at eight the actual show. So Green Show, I think, is at 7:30 usually. Yes, come see, come see Christian and the other inspiring thespians um, strut their stuff. <laughs> it's gonna be a great time. But to to kind of kind of close out here, Christian, I I just I just want to talk about I want to talk about the sort of sacred experience that that comes comes with producing. You know, you've you've had all the this time, all these man hours invested in creating this character, creating the sets, building the world, all of this stuff, mm-hmm. and then, then the audience comes and sits in the seats and fills the room. Can you can you talk a little bit about create creating that creating that sort of that sort of magic feeling where you can feel the you can feel just the energy rise in the mm-hmm. room? What that's like for well. From both perspectives, as the performer and also as an audience member. Yeah. So, as an audience member, there's there's like an anticipation, right? And you get into the seat, and you know you're about to experience the story. Um, if you're familiar with it, you might be excited to see the way that this particular company puts it on, or um, you might be excited to see maybe a friend in the show. Um, and it's it's also a great atmosphere because you can talk to other people around you um, before the show. And then during the show, you get to hear also their reactions. Like a film theater, we go and we sit down and we don't want to hear anything but the movie. But at a show, at a theater production, it's, it's also part of the show to hear the reactions of others. Um, I'll never forget, I was up at Cleveland watching Misery, which was a, I can't, I can't remember. Steve, yeah, Stephen, Stephen King. King. Yeah, um, but it was adapted for stage. And I'll never forget. The, uh, the woman who's taking care of the author, I can't remember the names right now, but the woman comes into a hallway with a shotgun because a police officer is investigating the house and he can't find anybody. But you see this woman who is, you know, insane out of her mind with a shotgun behind him. And every thought of what's about to happen, you know, immediately races through the mind of the, the few audience members who can see down this hallway. And I was like one of maybe the 20 people who could see it in this auditorium. So before before the shotgun blast, everybody heard the gasp, and then they heard the explosion, and then they saw the the you know the it was pretty gory. It was like there was blood, in it. but it was that that audience reaction makes it an energetic environment and makes it a very lively kind of place to be. Yes. Even even when everybody can see everything that's being staged, um, just getting to share experience with other people around you is a very unique thing. And getting to do it very candidly, it's special. What is it like, you talked about the experience in the seat, but what is it like 
on stage when you when you hear that gasp. Oh, it's so satisfying. <laughs> it is. Um, being I, I haven't been in such a dramatic show's misery like a like so bloody and uh, shocking, but um, hearing people's reaction from the audience is probably the most satisfying thing because you know you're having an effect. Um, as an actor, it's some people think that actors are just there for attention. Personally, in my experience, I and every actor I've ever worked with is there to try and give the audience something, to try and give them a story, a, a feeling, something. Every character is there to have an effect on the audience. And I'll never forget the first show that I got to do here at Malone. Uh, it was State of Affairs by Devin Stewart. I remember that. Absolutely fantastically written and directed yes. show. Uh, and I played a, a, a fiancé who cheated with his best friend's wife. And I was I was like the second character, like I was the antagonist, kind of, not really, but I played that sort of role. Um, and I'll never forget, after the first five or six lines I delivered, I heard some guy in the audience, like maybe in second or third row, he just went, oh no, man. <laughs> and it was, it was so hard to not break character, not because I was going to laugh, but because I was going to smile, because I just had an effect. Yeah. I just delivered something to him. He got the message. Uh, and it, it was, it's still one of my favorite things, thinking back on that show and that role, just because it was so powerful. That that is that is amazing, and I I do I do remember that role, and every everybody everybody hated you <laughs> in the house that night. But that's when you know you did your job. Exactly. And you, you talk about you talk about something so important, and I think I think this is a terrific closing point to hit on. But you know, as Christians, we are there. To and we exist to share the story of the gospel mm -hmm. in in various ways through through our actions and through through the words we speak. It's very much it's very much it's very much like acting. It's true. We we are we are um, we are sinners empowered by God's grace to put on Christ. We essentially we essentially we put on. Character, and we're acting in ways that are unnatural to <laughs> our to our um, natural behavior. Know that feeling. <laughs> you know, we we're we're all we're all broken, and at times we're disobedient. Paul said, Paul was frustrated once. So what what I want to do, I do not do. <laughs> so if that if that is not if that is not acting, I don't know what is. But the amazing thing is, if you rehearse and rehearse and rehearse. Before long, it becomes like second nature and muscle memory. Fake it till you make it. Yes, exactly. Yep. And, you know, we, Christ said to his disciples, he told them, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, what does that mean? And to me, you know, I get I get the image of a traveling theater company. You know, back in the, back in the days of the, the Globe Theater when Shakespeare had his heyday, traveling theater companies would just would just saddle up saddle up their horses, pull these pull these big carts, and they would start their shows, lay down their shows wherever conditions were right. And I I just want to impress upon you guys that God created this earth. The Father created this earth and has given us the Holy Spirit. So for every possible reason, conditions are right in in this world for 
for the kingdom to be created here on this earth. And we are the conduits for which that happens. Very much, very much like Christian is the conduit for things to happen on stage to tell this story. We are the conduit to live out the gospel story in in our daily lives. And you know, we often talk about it as Christians, we were bought with a price by Christ's blood, his atoning sacrifice on the cross. And at that sacrifice, we're not only absolved from our sins, but we're given a new identity, an identity that was lost to us at the fall of man when Adam and Eve disobeyed in the garden. We are given sonship and adoption. We become we become God's child and we're us who had had no family, who were orphans, who had no ancestry, have become part of God's family. And we're swept up in this divine drama that existed before the beginning of time. So you'll hear me talk about it a lot on this podcast, but the grand narrative of scripture, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. This is a complete story that we can see. We can see parallels in every story that we tell. Christian, in every story that he acts on stage, these elements are present. In every in every story that we see on film or read in a book, these elements are there. Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. It is a story that defines our life, and it's a story that's making us and creating us and shaping us. And because God exists outside of time, this drama is ongoing, and it can be picked up at any point in human history. Someone encounters God and this drama is reinstituted in the very same way as a theater production can end and start again with a whole new crop of actors telling this story once again. So, my friends, I would encourage you to engage with the story of scripture, realize that you are a living, breathing part of it, and you're furthering the kingdom of God by your life. Your life, your life has a grand purpose. If you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you believe that He suffered and died on the cross for your sins, you are an active participant in this drama. So I hope you'll be encouraged today that our lives are not insignificant. Our lives are part of a larger um, collective whole. So I would encourage you all, if you're not involved in the church, if you're not a part of a church body, I would encourage you to get connected with one and start and start living out, living out this drama, participating in this story, because this is what the church does week after week, Sunday after Sunday, the pastors, the preachers, the priests, and everyone in the church are there to build us up and live in community with us. 
and teach us how to become more like Christ. You know, we're all sinners. All of us have fallen from God's glory. And we live by grace through faith in the Son of God. And our lives are no longer our own. We put away our sinful nature and we put on Christ. We take on this role. It's a big, big task and nobody, nobody can do it alone. So this is what the church is for. It's, it's uh, this community that helps us play this out, walk this out in our daily lives and teaches us how to become more like Christ so that when, when we come before God face to face, uh, he will, he will, we will know him and he will, he will know us. And it's no secret that we're all, we're all looking for a part to play in this world, something meaningful to do in this life. And I can't think of a more important role to play in life than to become more like the one who saved us and died for us and who loved us more than we could ever fathom. So, um, Christian, I wonder if, um, if, uh, you have, you have any, any final, any final remarks, to close this out. Yeah. Um, it's hard to put on me. Uh, <laughs> don't ever forget the ability that we can all have to help one another just by telling a story or just by listening. Uh, theater and audiences depend upon listening, giving your attention to another person. And I think uh, just listening is a very powerful thing. So, so my friends, as, as we, as we sign out, I've, as we uh, as we wrap up here, I would just encourage you all that the Holy Spirit does indeed live inside you. If you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit lives inside you, and it gives gives you power to tell this story. It gives you power to put on Christ, to be more like Christ, to go out into the world and do as He would do, and engage. Engage with people, incarnation, put yourself in their shoes, practice radical empathy, be, be an actor, and, and get, get, into, get into the character. Experience the pain that other people are experiencing, because then you can bring the healing of Christ to them. And that, that, is, that is what what this is all about. So, um, um, I'm Ryan Logan and I've, I've just, I've just sat down with, uh, Christian Sanko. And, uh, thank you for, for tuning in. Hope to, hope to see you all at the Ohio Shakespeare Festival and, um, I'll see you next time. All right. God bless you guys.